0: This podcast episode is brought to you by IronSource. IronSource are not a spinach-based nutrition company, as their name might suggest, but are actually a game tech company which builds technologies that help you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing a leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor of Fun are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on over to ironsource.com, ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. This podcast episode is also brought to you by AppsFlyer. Most of you are probably already familiar with AppsFlyer. It's perhaps one of the best attribution platforms on mobile, a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive marketing success. AppsFlyer allows comprehensive measurement and analytics that helps you to optimize the end to end player journey from acquisition to retention, from ROI to LTV. In practice, this means filtering cohorts of installs and then retargeting those cohorts with personalized experience based on engagement and in app events. AppsFlyer also offers super robust fraud protection, making sure you're not paying for bogus traffic. Playrix, Tencent, Playtica, Square Enix, and Huge are among the many games companies that all use AppsFlyer to boost their business. Go to appsflyer.com and get yourself attribution data you can trust. Thanks. Hello, everyone. June 23rd. Welcome to Twig88. Today, we've got myself, Joe Kim, Eric Kress, and Adam Telfer. And today we are going to be talking about five articles. Wow, we're ambitious today. So, first, Microsoft is shutting down Mixer and partnering with Facebook Gaming. Huge news that I know a lot of you guys have been talking about. I've been hearing way too much about that one. Second, EA details Game Slate with Star Wars Switch News. Third, Epic Games and Match Group joins Spotify in protesting Apple's App Store fees. Fourth, Apple rejects Facebook's gaming app for at least the fifth time. And finally, Epic offering $750 million at $17 billion valuation. So, how are you guys doing? Good. Yeah. All good. My internet's
1: (laughs) my internet's getting back together here in Canada. (laughs) So
2: that's nice. My birthday is this week. Ooh,
0: happy birthday.
2: I am 49. Old as dirt. <laughs> Gary, I'm almost 50, man. Oh, 50 was. And how, how competitive are you at shooters
0: <laughs> at this age?
2: <laughs> competitive at what? Cheaters. Oh, not so competitive. No, <laughs> I'm getting better. I already told you the matchmaking is making it easier for us old people to beat up the kids on console. But I have been playing the crap out of Destiny 2. I already capped out my max level at 10, 1050. So. There's lots of bugs, there tweaks that there are. What do you call it? Cheats in the game to some degree, in which you can just basically repeat activities over and over again. <laughs> so I was, it's like, I'm like a crack addict. It's unbelievable how I get hooked in this thing. But anyway, I maxed out. So now I'm just taking it easy. I was playing
0: Warzone last night and I was just getting nuked. I mean, for the first time playing. And so I know Apex Legends is going to be even worse.
1: <laughs> oh, Apex, Apex Legends Legend is better. Yeah. You get a little bit more time until you die in it. Oh, is that
2: right? Okay. No, 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 no. But the, okay, the problem, okay, that's the problem with Apex, though, is like you spend all this time getting up all this gear and you're like meticulously getting, you know, the, the armor and getting the right weapon that you want. And then the first time you encounter someone, it's like, bam, you just get smoked, right? And then you have to start all over again, right? I don't like that. I don't like that so much. at least <laughs> it, with Call of Duty, you're in and out, man. You just get your ass handed <laughs> to, it, and then you have some moments of greatness, right? If you're bad. But, uh, or you just go back to Destiny. Yeah, you go back to numbers. Destiny and then you are the hero, dude. You're killing everything. No everybody. matter what.
1: <laughs> Love it. I, I want to know these cheats. Because uh, I because <laughs> uh like in Destiny, everything is on that weekly timer, right? So I feel like no, no, I just got to oh, do my checklist every week and that's it. You're saying know, there's, there's cheats beyond this?
2: Yeah, this is not a cheat podcast, I know. But what you do, and they're, they've got to patch this, is basically – You get out of the game you create a character of the same class and you delete that character and then you go back into the game and it resets one of the main activities that gives you like power level five higher uh gear and so you just rinse and repeat repeat and it is (laughs) mind-numbing but anyway it just like it just jets you up on the on the power scale but uh this is not a cheat podcast so maybe we should Move That's on to the news. <laughs> oh, but by way, yeah, Division 2 is coming out. That came out this week. Uh, and the season pass, which we should cover next week maybe, just does not look very interesting, frankly. Uh, I don't mm, think they've Battle done a Battle Pass job
0: system?
2: On. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but we'll talk about next week.
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh, by the way, I had the Battle Pass event last week. It was actually, I quite enjoyed it. And there's so many things that the next event we're going to do better. But yeah, it was extremely well attended. I, I was very shocked. And uh, yeah, it was great. Oh, you liked it. Great. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be even better the next one. I've got so many ideas. But anyway,
1: so um, I was thinking we could actually do a little bit of soft launch and global launch tracking, because we do talk a lot about uh, a lot about these games over time, um, but just kind of get a sense of where they're tracking. So Haiti Pop, which we talked about quite a while ago, Supercell. Currently still in soft launch it's hitting about a dollar 45 in Australia at about three months now. Um, overall, if you think about this, it's not looking great. So it should be at this point above $2 and to compete really, it should be above three. Um, so that gives you context for that 1.45. We analyze this on deconstructor fund. fun. Um, I feel like they're actually doing some really clever things, especially like how they uh, are try to recycle old levels through the kind of season play, but, even going with that seasonal approach and having this battle pass, it does not seem like the overall formula is working out for them yet. Uh, Wildscapes, which is very similar, uh, which is Playrix's also kind of scapes model, where they allow for things like freeform decoration. Um, this one's at about two thirty um, after ten months, so not looking good as well. Because at least by this point, it should be above five dollars um, to compete at least with Fishdom. Uh, which is the minimum threshold, I would say, for for Playrix, uh, Farmville three, Zynga. So it's at about a buck ninety for nine months in Australia, uh, which is not looking good in comparison to things like Sim which was a flat four seventy five at this point. Um, I'm just wondering if they're still like in that pre monetization phase and whether they're really firing on on all cylinders yet.
2: Yeah, I, I think the first the first six months of that game, it was not. Monetizing at all in Australia, and then they pushed a build in early March and, and 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 pushed a lot of downloads there, and the metrics look a bit stronger. It's still in the two dollar range, but it you know it for the first three to four months it looks fine. It looks like the revenue is stacking okay. Um, at least that's kind of the way I see it. Real question for me on these games: uh, we know kind of heyday pop, we know those you know UA UA costs there. But what do you think the UA costs for something like this? Does you know Farmville offer you know, sub $2 CPIs with the simulation game? Or is that a pipe dream or, you know, and then if, if that's the case, then, then we're good. They're in good shape, you know, to scale it. What do you think? Yeah.
1: I I don't know. But if they go head to head with something like township, I can't believe that they're going to be able to get the same CPIs if they're going to the same types of players. Uh, And I don't think that, I think Farmville players all would have moved to township and hated by now personally. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. How do you isolate though, just from the march version. Like are you only including downloads and in revenue from that point on or
2: how no, do you, look I, you at the RPI? I, look I know you can't do that but I'm I'm saying it was such a significant amount of people that they brought into the game during that part of the beta that and, and they also launched a new version with 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 more features and more monetization. So I'm saying is that like the most the late, most recent version is definitely monetizing much better than the prior version. And okay. And it's been a slow roll, man. They, dude, all Zynga's games are slow rolls these days in terms of betas, because I've said many times is that they don't need the revenue, right? So they're just basically optimizing as much as they can. So hopefully, by the time it comes out, they'll, they'll do quite well. But we'll, we will see both this game as well as the uh, puzzle combat game.
1: Yeah, because RPI is a pretty um, biasable stat. Like it's 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 pretty easy to. Um, Uh, have issues with that, especially when you're not growing or if you're um, doing major marketing spends. But it would be interesting if they say add a new country to the mix over time um, to try to restart UA because I think that'll give us a much better viewpoint of the current status of their RPI, LTV.
2: Yeah, that's actually really typical. So we should see it come to Canada or...
0: Yeah, that one other thing about these kinds of games is that there are certain categories of game like racers, lane racing, things like that, that just enjoy pretty massive organic downloads. And so it may be a longer term investment for Farmville 3 or games like that. I'm not saying that that that's the type of game that enjoys those kind of organic benefits, but if they get to that point that I think that's one of the things that's probably benefiting the older games like township because the algorithms on the, you know, Apple, Google's. Uh, so that's the other thing that you might want to factor into your economic analysis over time, but it, it's, it's hard to say though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brawl stars in China. So it actually just launched on June 10th. Uh, it caused a huge massive spike in revenue and downloads. So downloads jumped from uh, weekly 2 million to six point four, um, and revenue jumped from six point four a week to eighteen point nine. So definitely, congrats to that team for finding growth. Um, uh, that's why. Oh, so
0: sorry, sorry to cut in here, but I just I saw that Brawl Stars had cracked the top ten for this month in terms of like overall worldwide revenue, and I was wondering what happened. How did, how did Brawl Stars jump? Now I see why. Uh,
1: knighthood, uh, the King game midcore. Uh, we've been criticizing before for just being a little bit too shallow in their systems, um, is sitting at roughly about 250. And comparison to Empires and Puzzles, which is probably the right comp there, it was at about 2.8. So actually from an RPI perspective, it looks pretty good. But when you're looking at downloads and scale, it seems like it's fallen off. So King doesn't seem to be scaling this game. So likely RPI is just getting inflated by the lack of new players. Um, so RPI is not
2: really the right stat for measuring. Yeah, I mean, uh, but also it, it's not scaling at all, right? Revenue is falling as yeah, downloads go. Yeah, that's not that does not look good. Uh, Disney
1: Sorcerer's Arena Glue. So it has reached a 6.4 dollar RPI in the U.S. after three months of launching, which is higher than Galaxy of Heroes and higher than Marvel Strike Force, which is very impressive. Uh, the download scale is lower and but roughly dropping at the same level as Marvel and and Star Wars. So it's actually looking pretty healthy. question is just like if and when they're going to be scaling up the spend um, and how uh, how far they can grow.
2: Yeah, I think I've analyzed this thing to death, but like you know the team did an amazing job of turning around the gameplay because the gameplay was terrible initially and they basically just copied Galaxy of Heroes, but the big thing that they've been doing is driving the live ops and and the season pass and, and, and keeping players engaged in spending. And so we saw a big spike on the last season pass, but we're also seeing a big drop after the season passes over to relatively low levels. So this could indicate, you know, potentially some weakness going forward. And if they don't scale it with downloads, then, then they're in trouble. They're like 70% off of downloads for, for Marvel strike force. And, and Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. I mean, they're not even in the same ballpark anymore. And and then we're seeing a Netmarble Mirrorverse coming out, uh, which is a similar game, almost exactly the same game with much better graphics. So that may actually pull away some of their players. So I still think, you know, this thing does 25, 27 million net this year. And then next year, it's not going to do jack, but but we'll see. I mean, again, I think they are doing an amazing job of uh, of keeping this, these players engaged in spending. So that's good just funny like it's not going to do jack next year but you know they are doing a good job so it's good (laughs) (laughs) gotta hold it together for at least what that's a long time man we got my six more months in this
0: year (laughs) yeah the other thing too is that ua kind of impacts that rpi so
1: yeah yeah. rpi is rpi is not always the best stat but i think it's the only public stat that we have to kind of judge
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i haven't seen the latest disney source i mean i haven't looked at i probably should but I'm still, I'm with Eric. I'm still a little skeptical. Just well, I mean, the, uh,
2: but but the yeah, the UA cost for game like this is like twelve to fifteen dollars, right? <laughs> In the U.S., and, I mean, it's nuts, right? So generally, it's like,
0: like you haven't seen EA do a lot of UA on Star Wars, except for during like movie launches and things like that. So probably a conversation for another time. But we can kind of dig deeper into why this may be happening and why this may actually not be great, but. Yeah, we'll save that conversation for another time.
1: Yeah. So the biggest news of the week, Pokemon event. They are launching a toothbrush gamification game which Eric is extremely excited First about.
2: First of all, yeah, okay, let's not <laughs> characterize this as the biggest news of the week, okay? I mean, Come on, give me a break. If they announced some sequels or something that would come to the Switch, that would be big news, but this this stuff is trash. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, besides that, they announced
1: Pokemon Cafe, which is a free-to-play mobile game. Looks like it's in the same vein as Disney's Tsum Tsum, um, so like a linker core gameplay and kind of a collectathon a thon meta, um, but the value add here is that they're actually adding a uh, the ability to upgrade your cafe on paper. This is actually a good idea, especially for Japan. Um, but Pokemon Company has gotten my hopes up too many times before to have execute to have any confidence that they'll actually be able to execute on this. Um, Pokemon Snap is coming on Switch, so tons of nostalgia happening. Uh, besides that, this week Fortnite had its latest season wrap-up event. Um, Fortnite's actually been doing great since March, um, especially due to COVID. So it's clearly the, the destination for all these kids out of school and now on summer break. Um, they're actually reaching the same peaks on Twitch as January 2019, uh, which is um, pretty encouraging. And the big event relatively with the COVID bump, um, they actually like sunk the entire map in water. So um, they've, they've hit those peaks pretty well. Um, It'll be interesting to watch this over the summer, and of course, as COVID restrictions lift, what happens to Fortnite? Does it continue its decline, or do they actually leverage this to uh, build up to a new peak? Uh, Tarkov has jumped to number one on Twitch again. Uh, So Escape from Tarkov is a game survival shooter, similar vein as, say, like Daisy and Ark, uh, where you have um, shorter session survival. Um, and they just did a gear drop through Twitch, like a Twitch um, uh, Twitch event, as well as kind of sign up some bigger name streamers. Um, that allowed them to jump to number one on Twitch at the same time as the Valorant launch, this Fortnite event, and even Warzone's Peak, uh, which is very impressive for a very small Russian developer making a PC game that sells their game off Steam. Like these guys are absolutely killing it. Uh, Joe?
0: Yeah, and those guys are probably the most hardcore developers in the world (laughs) those guys are so crazy like i don't know if you have ever watched some of their dev diaries and things like that but they are absolutely i mean fantastic but in a in a crazy crazy way define that like they're 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 crazy like they're literally literally crazy people realism in terms of what they do like typically when you look at gun animations like a typical gun might have like four to six animations they've got 40 (laughs) like these guys are like freaking nuts
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, the realism of the shooter is is higher than Arma, right?
0: Yeah, I think they are, I, I mean, I'm huge fans of those guys, because, like, I watch all their videos, and they, they actually go pretty in-depth on stuff, but the level of hardcoreness that they have, it's just, like, it's another level. Anyway, just a couple updates from me. So, just a question about some of the Pokemon news. I thought there was going to be a big announcement tomorrow. Was that one of the things that you covered, or is there going to be? That's not the new mainline Pokemon game that's supposed to be announced tomorrow, is it?
1: I didn't. I didn't announce it. Okay.
0: I think the rumor is that there's going to be a big new Pokemon game being announced tomorrow. So we'll we'll see what that is. And the second update I have is that NetEase is developing a new Lord of the Rings mobile game with. WB, I don't know if you guys can talk about this or not, but in, is nope. there any news in terms of what kind of game that is? Or And, and by the nope. way, Kingdoms of the Camelot or The Hobbit, are those games still alive or are they, are they out?
1: <laughs> Feeling nostalgic <laughs> for
0: those? <laughs> I'm just wondering. Can, you know, well, I wonder for you know, App Store collision purposes and things like that.
2: No, I think those are done. Okay. And I, I, I actually know nothing about this Lord of the Rings <laughs> game, to be honest. So <laughs> I'm a, a completely ignorant, so I can't get myself into trouble yet.
0: With that, then, since uh, there's no comments, should we move on to the news, Adam?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about the first, which is actually the biggest news of the week. Um, So, Microsoft is shutting down Mixer and partnering with Facebook Gaming. Um, So, Mixer, which is the initiative by Microsoft to enter the streaming space against Twitch and YouTube, will be shut down in one month, roughly July 22nd. Um, All the content and all the streamers uh, from Mixer are transitioning to Facebook Gaming, which is Facebook. Facebook streaming initiative and any subscriptions will transition to Facebook gaming's equivalent. Uh, Part of the deal was partnering, like Microsoft partnering with Facebook to include XCloud in their platform's future. Um, It's not completely clear to me what the actual strategy is, uh, but in the case Microsoft is divesting but still trying to grow its overall player base by entrusting it to Facebook. So Hopefully, by the point that Cloud is, say, ready to take advantage of a scaled network, it can leverage Facebook's community, but I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work.
2: Well, they could, but they could also push uh, their subscription, right? So, you know, they could push their gaming subscription on PC and potentially once they offer any type of streaming service, they could do that on mobile, which doesn't make any effing sense to me, but like just another in, mechanism in this
1: case right like so it's a subscription for xcloud and being able to stream stuff from the whatever the cloud then you have facebook gaming they can advertise on it for free or like how are they leveraging facebook gaming's platform as part of this partnership
2: yeah no no that's and what i'm it. saying it's like a promotional vehicle it's a mechanism by which they can reach a broader audience for whatever microsoft is offering whether it's xcloud or whether it's their you know subscription service yeah so it's maybe sense. this so similar to say like twitch Twitch premium,
1: whatever Um, you can subscribe to that here. You can subscribe to Facebook gaming and that's bundled in with X cloud or something. Okay. Um, Microsoft will now transition the mixer technology to Microsoft teams. So get ready for streamer tech in your team video chats at work. Um, also and Ninja. Like I think this is actually bigger news to me, which is (laughs) they made out like bandits. (laughs) They are the biggest winners here. They both signed with Mixer last year for big money and are actually now free agents. So even though streamers should be moving over to Facebook gaming, they actually decided to just back away and keep their signing bonuses. So it's a massive boost for them because now they're able to move away from a dying ecosystem and actually start growing their subscriber base again, all still while holding on to that massive signing bonus from last year. Um, Reasons why Mixer shut down, the Mao actually never really grew. We saw this in public data. We talked about this last year on the podcast. Even with Shroud Ninja, they really weren't seeing much growth. And I think back then, Microsoft was pinning on like a number of content creator-focused features as kind of big value-add and reasons to switch from Twitch. And I think it, it, fundamentally, it didn't work, right? I think this is just another point of proof that the difficulty of going against these platforms at scale... Is immense. You just can't match their feature set or go, you know, slightly deeper to actually penetrate these platforms and pull players away. And I think um, in order to actually do this properly, in order to actually go against the scale of platform, you have to actually fundamentally disrupt the business model or go for a different audience and grow that audience over time slowly. And I think case in point is actually Discord continues to exist, and I think Discord kind of uh, shows that going for a completely different feature set can work, but Facebook gaming mixer, it's pretty, pretty dire, but how can they can go against something like Twitch? Uh, this actually goes back to Joe's article from last week about the importance of creating moats and defensibility and scale platforms.
2: Eric? I don't, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, first of all, you're totally right. Like Ninja is a freaking genius, or at least the people that manage him or manages his, his brand. His because wife. Basically, is, is it true? Yeah. His wife? I mean, they sold out at the top. I mean, you think about it, like his popularity spiked and was at the highest when Fortnite was at the highest. And that's when he signed this deal with Mixer and and he just got paid. Uh, And then on top of that, now he can do whatever the hell he wants, right? It's just nuts. So I only hope that, you know, he's saving his millions and we don't hear him destitute in 20 years after three failed marriages and 10 illegitimate children. But I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I think that's more of a sports thing, but But if his wife is managing him, maybe that'll keep him on the straight and narrow. Who knows? Uh, But but overall, I think what's really interesting to me is that maybe it is the platform and not the talent that matters, really, right? (laughs) In this world? I don't know. I mean...
0: Yeah, the way that I look at it is I think it's kind of instructive to basically look back at history and see how different platforms have succeeded other platforms. And I think the The problem is trying to do the same thing. So if you go back in history and look at like social networks, for example, right? And so when you saw how there was originally, the original social network was called Rise and then how Friendster beat Rise and then how MySpace beat Friendster and then how Facebook beat MySpace, they were all building slightly different kind of use cases and applications in terms of what the core product actually delivered and the problems that they solved. And I think that's what Microsoft probably missed here.
2: So. Wait, so Microsoft just made another Me Too
0: I think that's what version. they did. Now, I, I've only pl- played around with Mixer a little bit, but I didn't see the differentiation. Now, if that differentiation against a scaled platform doesn't exist, then, you know, you shouldn't do it, or you should, I think, fundamentally understand what kind of product that you're delivering.
2: Got it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. All
0: right, next article.
2: Yeah.
1: EA oh, details its game slate with Star Wars and Switch news. Um, so there is a big EA play event this week. Uh, seven EA games are coming to Switch in the next 12 months. This includes Burnout Paradise, which is a 2008 game. It actually was released back when I was working at EA as a little developer. Um, so yeah, some nostalgia there. Apex Legends is coming to Switch with crossplay. so. You know, it seems like they're just trying to expand that audience, <laughs> doing, doing whatever they can. It's ridiculous. Um, looking yeah, looking at free-to-play games that actually launch on the platform, they don't really seem to be getting any sustainable audience bump. So I don't know. Like I believe with Switch, like it's a cool platform. I personally am a big fan of it, but I don't think it just retains as well as mobile consoles or PC.
2: No, you know what I you know what I heard on this one? And this is because i I I covered Nintendo for some big shareholders and <laughs> The thing is that the Wi-Fi chip on the Switch is so bad that it actually can't even perform well enough to do real free-to-play like action shooters, right? It's just, yeah, it's so archaic true. in in the in terms of tech that you know they, they can't even do streaming. Like if you wanted to do streaming on on the Switch, impossible, right? Impossible because the the chip the chip is so bad, right? This is how archaic this tech is. So bringing Apex is just it is just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Burnout Paradise, I get, right? It's gonna be a digital only skew and and some old FIFA games and some old like remasters. I mean, EA is just, I don't know why they're even bothering, frankly, but whatever. We'll see. Man.
1: Five games are unannounced. Um, so FIFA 21, you know, could be in that mix. Um, but again, like they've been doing this already every year. And they just don't invest in it, especially for things like Ultimate Team. They just don't add those modes in. So it's just a
2: light version of it. At least yeah, it's, it's better all, than it's the old also,
1: Wii versions of the games. <laughs> well,
2: it's still a prior, it's a PS2, PS3 2 ps version, right? So it's not like even a real next-gen version. So, whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we
1: don't really know how many of these five will actually be recent games. Um, because the biggest thing, is the performance difference between current-gen consoles and the Switch is already pretty wide. And by the end of this year, next-gen launches will just divide this even further. So I think Switch will always be the port platform for third party, and it's really only gonna work for things like legacy titles, remasters, stripped down versions of the latest games um, that actually can still be playable at low resolutions. You can't really get away from this just as that divide gets wider and wider. Um, Next one is Steam. So EA um, is, launching many of its games on Steam now, moving away from Origin a little bit. Uh, so Apex Legends, Battlefield 5, Mass Effect, Need for Speed, Titanfall, Sims, are all coming to, the, coming to Steam slowly, and I think Apex is first in the fall, or, or one of the first in the fall. Um, there's some news that sports titles will be launched along EA Access working within Steam, and I think that's kind of the key point. Um, is that EA Access is still going to be launching through Origin, but will actually have outlets within Steam. So you can actually access the value of your, your subscription within Steam. Um, so this is just them trying to maximize their subscription base. And I think this is really just them trying to um, yeah, maximize subscriptions. Like it's a disruptive business model, and you have to make sure that you're actually reaching the widest possible user base. And I think um, any sort of closed garden walled garden of origin just makes less sense when you're trying to actually drive subscriptions
2: yeah i mean the 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 real thought process i think here is that origin is no longer really exists per se it's more of the service of origin or it's basically ea access now and it's across any platform whether it's microsoft xbox sony platform and now steam so they're just offering of the subscription service and the irony here is it's not really a content subscription you know, yeah. like the the $30 a year one is more like a uh, frequent flyer mile thing where it's basically <laughs> catering to your audience that you would have bought your game anyway, but you're giving them benefits of like two weeks early here. You're giving them discounts on currency here. And so you got to think about it from that perspective, which and it's freaking brilliant, right? Because. Content subscriptions make no sense, and I'm not going to go over this big tirade on it now, but like frequent fire shit that works, man. That's, I mean they've been improving over and over again. And so that's the big shift here, and they're having a lot of success and I think Steam just offers them a huge uh, audience of people to, uh, to reach out to and market to and and Steam is promoting the crap out of this stuff uh, since I, you know I've seen you know playing destiny all the time. I'm seeing all this stuff come up all the time. but um, anyway, it, it's really good for yay in general to expand their pc uh you know reach uh and yeah and good so for it, valve right the,
1: the ea access subscription like i bought it on ps4 does that carry over to steam that i don't know yeah just because i think from at least reading the fine print back then it sounded like it was platform locked um because i have origin premiere like i have the the content subscription on origin which makes doesn't really make a ton of sense. No, that Um, makes no sense, really. But then EA Access, which is, yeah, you're right, this frequent flyer program. I have that
2: on my console, but I don't know if that actually carries over to Steam. I'll look into that because I know it does for Microsoft, right? Yeah, you're talking about
1: Game Pass, though, right? Yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah,
2: because they own both of those platforms. In this
1: case, you don't want Mm -hmm. Steam to be offering sales on content that people are paying for on
2: PS4, right? Like... Yeah, but the thing is, it's done through Origin, so that uh, that account is goes. But you across. mean, but but for EA access, I'm paying for it using
1: PlayStation, and then I'm using that rebate on Steam.
2: I don't know. Yeah, but we're in a cross-platform world, right? Everyone's right there, getting long. Get it's out of Kumbaya here, Sweeney! <laughs> out there, right, Sweeney? <laughs> Yeah, moving on. Anyways,
1: uh, let's move forward uh, Also new games uh, Star Wars Squadrons was the big one um, It's a fall 2020 title Looks like it's basically the dogfighting mode From Battle, Battlefront 2 um, As its own release Big thing here is it's going to be $40 Not a $60 release Which says to me that it's like a PVP Only stripped down game And it's, it's it'll be interesting to see If this they, they go for an ongoing Service here Right? Like with DLC MTX, maybe they launch new ships every once in a while, something like this, or they just go for a one-and-done filler game for their slate, just avoiding the same backlash they they face with Battlefront Two, because there could be a potential for like a Rainbow Six Siege-type model here, um, and a $40 version is not crazy. But if they don't do that and it's just filler, then there's not a lot of interesting things happening here. Also, flight games. I don't know if you guys played Battlefront 2's flight mode. Flight games, I just don't
2: feel like have the same depth and engagement as FPS games. So oh my God. I'm not sure if this is going to retain I, the same I, way. I think you need skill. I'm so terrible at fi- flying games, fighting games. But this game is dying for a free to play model, right? Like upgrade Evo, you know, pay to win. Even like you could freaking crush this thing, you know, like because you get a small audience of diehard people that love this kind of game. They're going to spend whatever it takes, you know. But you're talking like World have... of Tanks model, right? Like yeah, no, but they don't yeah. have that option because I don't think disney is playing ball with this bullshit anymore yeah. right like they, they they learned their lesson from battlefront 2 and now they're just like f you you know you're making this 40 dollar tchotchke game that's going to go out to die right that's kind of what this game is but it'll do okay maybe 4 million something like that i don't know yeah. whatever
1: um otherwise that's pretty much it no dragon age mass effect no
2: anthem messages no battlefield stuff so what the fuck happened to mass effect like the remaster, like that thing's happening. What the hell? Why didn't they announce that? It's so weird. That's like a, you could put, you could put a a, a logo on the page, you know, and just
1: say it's coming. Maybe that's one of the five unannounced games on Switch. I'm so excited. I get to finally
2: play Mass Effect on Switch. (laughs) I've always wanted to play a portable version of Mass Effect for sure.
0: Yeah, the interesting Uh, thing for me was that Apex going to Switch, which is very strange. And if it's going to Switch and it's going to Steam, I mean, we've already talked about this before, but it's only a matter of time before they announce mobile. And so the only question mark is who's going to be working on it? Is it going to be an internal team or do you go with the standard shooter mobile formula, which is, you know, get that hundred person team out in Beijing or China somewhere. So given that response seems like whoever their CEO, Vince is going to be managing multiple studios and the resources. I, I think I know what they're going to do, but we'll see. I'm a little bit like the squadrons trailer that looked really great. I'm a little bit disappointed that they didn't make that more of a a full length game. With a uh, ideally, it would have had like a really cool single player mode. But yeah, I think the forty dollar price point is the worrisome part, and that other folks have talked about that it would basically indicate that it's not like a full game.
2: But actually, it does have a single player mode of some sort, right? Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it um, does. I was actually a little bit short, shocked. Right? Right? Yeah, probably right. Okay. Uh, actually, you know, there was a leak today that uh, they're going to go into alpha. Sorry, go into beta with a uh, Apex version in uh, this year. So, and likely it's a Chinese company that's developing it. Right, so <laughs> that just happened right now. So, <laughs> like a, like a mobile version. So, that- mobile version. Sorry, yes, mobile version. So, okay, yeah. So they're going to have a
1: Chinese developer build a flight game for mobile. That's going to be PvP.
2: Okay, wow. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Apex Legend Mobile Port could be soft launched this year. That is the oh, the, okay. That is on on the on the on the interwebs right now. Um, so anyway, but, but I, I'd th-
0: like to see the other thing too with a Chinese company doing Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, imagine those.
2: Yeah, imagine those battle passes and cosmetics. Anyway, I'm not going to comment too much on Apple uh, on e, sorry EA because that's reserved for my paying clients, but. There's a lot of good things that are happening with EA that were not well beyond what they presented because I thought what they presented was really stupid, (laughs) generally speaking. They also had this fireside chat with all the executives at EA just like two days ago. And oh my God, I just sat through that this morning and I I want that hour back, please. But nonetheless, I think (laughs) they (laughs) they are set up pretty well this cycle versus their other big competitors out there. And I'll leave it at that.
0: I'll have to agree with you on that, Eric, that EA is the only company I own stock in. I think that they are, I I think they're they're good. But anyway, moving on to the next article, Epic Games and Match Group joined Spotify in protesting Apple's App Store fees. So long story short on this one is that a lawsuit, actually two lawsuits had been filed against Apple for antitrust, including one of the lawsuits specifically looking at Apple's 30% platform fee. It's already been well-publicized that Spotify has had a major issue with Apple for competing against Spotify Music with the 30% additional margin, which makes competing against Apple pretty much impossible. So here, both Epic and Match, and Match is a company that owns Tinder, released statements in support of the lawsuit. Also, other companies are weighing in, including Rakuten, who is specifically calling out the platform fee on eBooks. when Apple also offers their own eBook service. And the CTO of Basecamp, which is launching, uh, well, Basecamp is launching a new email service called Hey, but the CTO of Basecamp called Apple Gangsters after Apple threatened to pull the app if Hey did not integrate Apple IEP subscription. Although I think I saw some news yesterday about how they may have worked things out. And my own take on this is that it actually feels to me that something may happen here. I mean... Clearly, no one can compete against Apple with a 30% margin advantage in basically any business. Further, Apple has all of your revenue data and your advertising spend, at least on Apple Search, so they know exactly who to compete against, as well as Apple Store data as well. So at least in the EU, my guess is that something is going to happen.
2: Yeah, we've discussed this before, and with Spotify, particularly as a direct competitor, and the thirty percent could be considered a really unfair advantage for them to compete directly with Apple. I think there's definitely a case there to be made, and and that is something that you know could be uh, you know brought go, uh, could go against Apple to some degree here. But for Match and Epic, you know, Apple doesn't seem to have a competing product, at least not yet, right? So they have. I think they have far less of a case. Uh, but of course. I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer I should probably bring back David in here and, and to comment on this. Uh, actually, I think I will get his commentary on this and, and bring it back next week so that we actually sound somewhat intelligent because I can't get another email from him saying stop being a moron. But the one thing that I will say I've been, been covering this for a long time is that Europe works a lot faster on these type of things. Right? They come out the, the, the Microsoft antitrust case against Windows 10 or Windows in general. And that the latest privacy laws, you know, the GDPR thing, which they execute against so much faster than the U.S., um, both those things. So in that sense, like if they actually do get some kind of wins in, in, in Europe, there's a possibility that the U.S. will follow suit. Uh, but I still think a lot of these things will be a challenge. But I, I'm going to get some expert legal advice from Mr. David Hoppe and, uh, and, and we'll come back
0: to you next week. Sounds good. So next article kind of related to the previous two, Apple rejects Facebook's gaming app for at least the fifth time. And so the New York Times is reporting that since February, Apple has rejected Facebook gaming app at least, again, five times. And Apple cited its rules that prohibit apps with the main purpose of distributing casual games. But gaming does represent about $15 in revenue for Apple last year. And I think that Apple should be worried. There's a quote from... Margrethe Vestager, the European Commission Executive Vice President in charge of competition policy, who stated, We need to ensure that Apple's rules do not distort competition in markets where Apple is competing with other app developers. Anyway, the Facebook gaming app has basically three main components. First is watching live streams of other people playing games, second is socially networking with other gamers, and third in the problematic part, playing simple games like Word with Friends and Thug Life. And on both Apple and Android devices, uh, these games are delivered using HTML5. So Google actually did approve Facebook Gaming for its Google Play App Store, and that was launched worldwide in April of this year. But I think since then, Facebook has been weighing its next move, and it sounds like Facebook is actually considering releasing Facebook gaming on Apple without playable games at all, just to get something out there. But we'll see what happens. And my own take on this is that, you know, given that quote from the, the EU vice president and from the previous article, I do feel like something's probably going to happen.
2: Yeah, similar story. Kind of the same response. I don't know if you would call Apple necessarily a competitor in this case, but anyway, we'll get we'll get an expert opinion on here. I don't know why I'm sitting here defending Apple. Uh, you know, they are a freaking gangster, right? They just, they maintain yeah. control so, so rigorously. Like I've even been a victim of it, talking shit about Apple Arcade on the podcast. I got kind of like bitch slapped by one of the uh, execs over there. It's like, it's just ridiculous, right? Like I can't have an opinion on a podcast without getting in trouble, right? But I, I do think the value that they provide as one of two major operating systems which work 100% of the time, and r- rather than having what we had during feature phone days, as I said many times, with 600 different SKUs, I think they provide a value in that to maintain and 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 keep a ecosystem going that works for everybody. And I think everyone's done quite well with Apple. Thank you very much. So. So anyway, I think they should maintain some sort of control because if you start splintering stuff off, then, then it becomes a disaster, right? Then you're, then you're making games for like hundreds of platforms, right? Within a platform. And that's no fun. Anyway, I, I, we'll see how all of this goes. And hopefully we'll get back to you guys next week with something from someone that knows something, right? Not us. All right. The last story. So Epic is offering $750 million dollars Offering at a $17 billion valuation. So they basically are selling $750 million of stock to T Rowe Price, Bale Gifford, who I've never heard of, which I should, probably should have, and KKR, which is a huge, huge private equity firm. And what's interesting is that I should actually know what this is about, but I don't. So <laughs> Tencent has a 40% position here. So the question is why is T Rowe and KKR getting back into this? investment and so my initial instinct is perhaps they are trying to get shares because they may actually go public they may spin this out and go public it's possible it would be huge right you know major company um, as big as take two actually bigger than take two at at this level but again the, the 17 billion seems a little steep given the fact that Fortnite's kind of on the decline but if they are looking out at the uh longer term prospects of epic building out the metaverse, that would make more sense too. But I mean, what does Epic have? They really have the Unreal business, they have Fortnite, they have the launcher, they have the mobile launcher that's in development, and also Fortnite or as potential like metaverse platforms. So again, they would be a force to be reckoned with. And it basically encapsulates all these mega trends that people are trying to invest in, including Andreessen and others. So anyway, when, when people do these kind of acquisitions, generally you're, you're either one, acquiring stock from shareholders, like to Mr. Sweeney. So I'm sure he may got some of the 750 million bucks. So good for him and other employees. Or you're actually trying you're buying out older shareholders. So people that were initial investment in this. It doesn't look like 10 cents sold any of their position on this. So maybe it's other investors. So what I don't know whether or not this is like some kind of move to either go public or Try to increase the valuation so the ten cent buys the remaining shares. But you know, T row isn't buying this just to hold on to it for years and years and years. I mean, they want an exit, so they must see some kind of exit going forward in which the company either gets sold or goes public. Is kind of my guess, right? So I don't know. Anybody else have any comments on this? As I tuck myself into oblivion.
0: Yeah, nope. I mean, it's hard to kind of understand why they would be raising money if they don't need it, except to think that maybe some of the the employees want to. Want to build their mega mansions, and you know, the money to like
2: aren't they? Aren't they in Virginia? Hell, you can get a mega mansion in Virginia for like five hundred grand, right? But yeah, anyway, that's probably what it is. They're just they just want the mega millions, right? So they're mega mansions, (laughs) and they're Lamborghinis. Good for that, man.
0: And I think that's it.
2: All right, guys, have a good week.
0: You too. Bye.